Today's message is standing in the evil days. And many of us had the misfortune to witness the tragedies on September 11, 2001. If you're old enough to remember, you'll probably remember that day very well, where you were, where you watched all of the activities unfold, who you communicated with, how the country itself kind of came to a standstill when all air traffic control was frozen and, and grounded, when we heard about the attack on the Pentagon, when we heard that um, we were truly under attack, we never realized that evil could sink to such a low level. Carl von Clausewitz wrote, War is an act of violence, and it's intended to compel our opponent to fulfill our will. And terrorism has become that new form of violence. And it is used as a way of compelling other nations into submission. The terrorists can only succeed in this new war tactic if free people cower in fear and begin to restrict their treasured freedom and liberties. I read that passage and I realized the similarity between a physical war and a spiritual war. And that the tactics of terrorism to bring a country or a nation to terror, to stop doing what they've been doing, and to follow their ways, is basically what's happened when Satan attacks the church in a spiritual manner. That Satan would want to attack the body spiritually, to stop you from doing what you've been doing, to stop proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ, to stop you in your faith, to stop you in your hope, to stop your peace, to break apart your family. Everything that you have that is good comes from above, and that is what Satan is against. 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 and 4 tells us this, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not, for we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Now this is a great passage to memorize when you're going through a time and a tribulation. It's literally something that needs to be near to your heart. But we have to realize that sometimes in life we face things that are bigger than we are. Amen. Bigger than our nation. But we also have to remember that there's nothing bigger than God. There is no stronghold. There is no evil that is greater than the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as the body of believers, we can stand in victory. Today's message is true believers know how to stand, even knowing how to stand in the evil day. Why does the devil come after us? Why does he come after us at our workplace, in our home, when we're alone, when we're on the internet? Why does he attack? Do you think it is just because he enjoys our company? Do you think that he just wants to get to know you a little bit better? He comes with a plan, a scheme, and an agenda to destroy you. You have to wake up and realize that. You have to realize that Satan hates you because you remind him of Christ in us. Right. There are times when you truly see a baby or a child and they look exactly like their father and mother. You'd be able to pick them out of a group. And I truly believe that Satan, when he sees us, sees the reflection of Christ in us and hates that reflection. You see? And will try to destroy your life, destroy your relationship, destroy your happiness or peace. 
I'd like for you to take a look at a very famous passage in Ephesians 6, starting in verses 12 and 13. Paul writes this in Ephesians. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Verse 13 says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Able to withstand in the evil day. It's almost as if Paul, when he was writing this passage, was talking about that evil day being a specific day that is going to come into our lives. A day that Satan has designed and planned an agenda to be an evil day. I believe that September 11th was an evil day for our nation. There was obviously a plan and an agenda behind that. Terrorists took flight training, more interested in learning how to take over a plane and never really interested in learning how to land a plane. That was not odd to us. Because we never had the concept that somebody would want to do such a hideous thing. Four, ten years ago, most Americans did not know several terms. Al-Qaeda, Bin Laden, Jihad. These were not normal words to us. But I think every American knows one of those three words today because of what happened ten years ago. An evil day hit our country. And it was planned and there was an agenda behind it. There are days even today that we sense an evil. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, I truly believe one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is a sensing of evil. I have walked into a home and sensed evil. I cannot describe what evil felt like. The closest that I could come to is it was a cold. It was cold. Not temperature-wise, just cold to your being. If you've truly ever been in the presence of evil, if you've ever been in the presence of a demon, it's very discomforting for a born-again believer. Me, it makes me want to fight. Me, it starts going through scriptures because we have to have the Word of God in us when we face that time. Even as a nation, we're about to go into a time where we kind of celebrate a little bit of evil with October coming in and Halloween and ghouls and goblins. You know that's not my favorite time of the year. You know my favorite holidays are are Thanksgiving, because I I love to have a heart of Thanksgiving. Easter, Christmas. I love Veterans Day. That's my anniversary. But I love multiple other holidays. Halloween I could do completely against. And I was thinking about when I was a kid back in the 1960s. There was, yeah, I know, that's a long time ago. Uh, There was still evil. But do you realize that a costume back then was very simply, somebody was putting a sheet over a small kid and poking two holes in the sheet, and we went out as a ghost. Does anybody remember having a sheet put over them? And, you know, just... The point being, though, is, have you noticed today the graphicness of costumes? The hideous grotesqueness of those same beings? You see, I think that there's been a little bit more of a revelation of really what we're dealing with. It's not a friendly little ghost. There are not friendly little demons. We are wrestling against powers and rulers of darkness that have a grotesqueness and an evil that we cannot comprehend. And we as born-again believers do not need to be playing and dabbling with that. 
If I had a shotgun and I loaded it, and you see in the real shells, and I'm just standing here walking around saying, this is a beautiful shotgun. Don't you love the shotgun? Whenever that shotgun is right in front of you, you're not enjoying that moment. And Bill would be saying, that is something that we do not play around with, right? Why is it then as spiritual, born-again children of God, we play around with things of the spiritual world that are more dangerous for us? And yet it's just fun. Pastor, lighten up. You see, there are rulers and forces of darkness that their whole goal is to destroy you. Unfortunately, three lives were killed right just a couple blocks from my house early Saturday morning. Austin and I went and walked down there last night and people were praying. Three lives taken. Austin and I talked about how that would affect generations. There will be no marriages in those families for those children. There will be no children born. Maybe one of those children could have been a, a President of the United States. But that life was ended at, at the, under the age of 20. Evil is in this land and in this world. And we as born-again believers are a part of this world to overcome it. By the Word of God and the blood of our testimony. The Holy Spirit inside of us is preparing us for that evil day. Because if we're not prepared to stand, we will fall. Throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, there were several stories of men and women who were not prepared for that evil day. I chose just one or two to give an example. But King Uzzah was a very good and godly king until one day pride rose up inside of him, within his heart, and he walked into the Holy of Holies and he burned incense. He was so proud of everything that had been going on in his kingdom. He was a good and godly king. He was listening to God. But pride came into his life and he stepped over boundaries thinking that nothing was of limit to him. In 2 Chronicles 26.16 we read this, But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. He was unfaithful to the Lord, his God, and he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. You see, when he walked into a place that he shouldn't have gone because of pride. See, God knows our heart. God knows our heart. Man looks on the outward, but God looks on the inward. He knew that there was pride in that king. And when he stepped over the boundaries of the priest, he was struck with leprosy. It started on his forehead. And that king that was so full of pride spent the rest of his life living in an isolated place and died of that leprosy. Now before that day of evil, he was living a a godly life. He was a good king, a good leader. But a moment of decision, an evil agenda, saying, there is no boundary for you. You were mighty in this land. King David, one of my favorite leaders, was also taking an innocent evening stroll on his rooftop one night. But his eyes got away from him as he was unable to discipline them. And in 2 Samuel 11.2 it says this, It happened late one afternoon when David rose from his couch and he was walking on the roof of the the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. And that woman was very beautiful. Now before that day of evil, King David had been a, a man of spiritual integrity and trust in the Lord. Before that attack on his life, 
You say, well, Pastor Mark, that's all Old Testament. Nowadays, this doesn't happen. I'm going to tell you that there are spiritual attacks that are going to happen in your life. And they're going to happen on the internet. They're going to happen in your workplace. They're going to happen as you're driving home. They're going to happen in your neighborhood. They're going to happen in your home. Okay? And we as born-again believers need to be prepared for that day so that we can stand. Today's message is talking about standing in evil days. Ephesians 6.14 tells us this. Stand therefore. Stand. This is what Paul's telling you. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And it seems to me that the way Paul is writing this is that he's telling us there's some things we have to do before that evil day comes. You see? Before it comes, not after it comes. Now, I was raised in Florida, and I've been through a few hurricanes. And a hurricane is an incredible storm, incredible wind gust. You've probably all seen CNN and the Weather Channel when they put those reporters out there and the wind is blowing. But if you are not stanced and positioned for that, you will be totally blown away. And I mean that literally. And it's usually by placing one leg behind the other and bracing yourself for that gust of wind that's about to hit you. If you're standing like this, you're going to be traveling backwards real quickly because of the force of nature. Now I'm saying this because spiritually we have to be ready for those evil days that are going to come. There has to be a time that you have to take a position. You have to get ready because it will come into your life. I wish I could tell you that no evil days will ever come to your, your ways. I wish I could tell you that there will never be another terrorist attack on our country. I would love to tell you that our missionaries will never be persecuted for all that they're doing in four-way lands. I wish I could tell you that your testimony would never be criticized. I wish I could tell you all the wonderful things that your ears want to hear, but you know down in your sight self that that is not the truth. Because Paul was preparing us to say that this is a battle and we are at war spiritually. We may say, oh, Pastor Mark, everything is peaceful in this country and we are safe and secure. Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses. But I trust in the word of the Lord my God. We cannot wait for the evil day to come. We have to prepare today. National Geographic ran an article about You're going to love this. The Alaskan bull moose. Now that's not something me being from Florida and living in Texas where it's 107 almost every day knows a lot about Alaskan bull mooses. But here's something that's about the Alaskan bull moose that you may not know. The males of the specific species battle in the fall for dominance. That caught my attention. You know, guys fighting it out for for women, okay? So I'm thinking, there's nothing else to do in Alaska. So these bull mooses are fighting in the fall, and they literally go head-to-head with their antlers, crunching together as they collide. Hmm. Sounds like an ESPN sporting event. You know, I I like that. It's football. If you really think about it, there's a lot between this Alaskan bull moose and football. So they're going head-to-head, trying to proclaim dominance. And what... The National Geographic was saying is this, that in the battle, the weaker bull moose will have their antlers broken, which makes them more defenseless now for the oncoming season, because their antlers are their defense. If you've ever seen a moose, there's not a whole lot more than their, their antlers. They're a huge animal, but that's their number one defense. So as they are fighting, as it's broken off, they are now defenseless, 
And what really struck my attention was this. It said that the battle for the bull moose that is won in the fall when this battle takes place was actually won back in the summer when they were eating the right things that gave them the strength, the bulk, and the strength in their antlers to win. See, it wasn't taking place in the fall when we're seeing this ritual take place. It was all the preparation that those bull mooses had to go through to strengthen themselves so that then when they did go to battle, they were able to become victorious in it. And I'm thinking this is the body of Christ. See, what happens is we have a lot of people in churches today that are going just because every other Sunday they check it off of their to-do list. And when that day of evil comes, they are defenseless over here because they are weak in their antlers. And when we do go to battle, the antlers get broken off. And then we're more defenseless. Because we truly don't know the Word of God. We truly don't know the promises that God has given us as believers. And it's important that we understand the rights and the abilities that we have as born-again believers. That when that day comes, we can stand and we can fight spiritually. It's important that we understand that we prepare ourselves. I'd like to go over three quick things that will make us strong for those days when the devil is attacking us. Because those days will come. Even Job 3.25 said this, What I fear the most overtakes me, and what I dread happens to me. So the three points that I'd like to go over real quickly with you is one, we must recognize the devil's scheme. So that we are not caught by surprise. First, we must establish the reality that we are and have a spiritual enemy. John 10.10 tells us that the thief comes not but to to steal, kill, and to destroy. And the devil has a detailed plan especially designed for our weakness. An interesting thing that I read about is this. When Hitler started marching in Europe... They did it with such precision and there was such unawareness in so many of the countries that Hitler and his armies rolled through and the villagers were throwing rocks at the tanks. Wow. Not even aware of what Hitler and the evil schemes were about to do. Not even aware. And I think sometimes we as a church are out there just kind of throwing rocks saying, Get away, devil. Get away. Stay away from my home. Don't hurt my business. Protect this new car of mine. Shoe. And I'm thinking, do you realize who you are as a son or daughter of the Most High God? That at the name of Jesus, every demon quakes? And the power and the authority that you have in your words? And we're saying, shoe devil, get away. Boo, go. And he's laughing at us. That's why I tell you in any situation, if you're ever in a car with me and I start saying Jesus, 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 you better start saying Jesus, 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 because something's about to happen. Do you understand? Oh, seriously, okay? Because that's the first response. And any time something's going on in my life, I'm going to start saying Jesus. Not all state. Jesus. Do you understand? If you're naming out your insurance company, you've got wrong priorities and your hope is in the wrong place. Jesus. So it's important that we understand that the devil has a detailed plan, but God has a plan for our lives. God has a plan for our lives. And He tells us to resist the devil and he will flee. You see, what you have to understand is it is not our responsibility to defeat the devil. 
Christ will defeat Satan. That is not your goal as a born-again believer. We are to resist him, fight him, okay? And as we resist him, he will flee. But that is our goal. Our goal is just to stand. While we're on this earth, to stand. We will see the defeat of all the demonic forces one day. But it's not going to happen today unless Christ comes back. Today on September 11th. We as a nation were attacked. And it was a surprise attack. We were not ready for that. We didn't have time to get ready. Once Once the attack already comes, this is what you'll hear most people say. I wish I'd prayed more. I wish I'd studied the Bible more. I wish I'd gone to church more. I wish I'd done more for others. I wish I'd dedicated myself more to the kingdom of God. I wish I was more faithful. I wish I was more dedicated. At that time when you're saying, I wish, it's too late. Do you understand? Today is the day for us to get ready for that day that's about to come. It's important that we understand. Point number two is that we rise up against him in God's strength. We cannot defeat the enemy in our own strength. But I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. I have to understand the power that's inside of me as a born-again believer. 2 Samuel 22.33 tells me this. God arms me with strength. His perfect way sets me free. God arms me with strength. I'm going to tell you that there are times when life is going to be overwhelming for you. There are going to be times when the news just gets worse and worse and worse. When you feel like you can't take any more. When you feel like if that, if that phone rings one more time, you're going to throw it against a wall. Do you understand? Have you ever been in a situation like that where everything just got worse and worse and worse and you're wondering, this is when you have to go and say, God, you are my strength. You are my source. You are my hope. I put my trust in you, Lord God. That's when we need to be hitting the knees and not hitting the emails. This is when we need to be crying out. This is when we need to put our face in the Bible and not get on Facebook. Do you understand? Because it is through the Word of God that we're going to be able to stand in those days. Psalms 18 verses 2 and 3 says this, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my Savior. That's a song that I sing a lot from about 15, 20 years ago. The Lord is my rock and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? See, you need to know these little songs. You say, Mark, that was dorky. You know what? When you're going through a spiritual battle, you'll want to know what was that song he was singing? What was it? Something about rock and roll? No, that's not it. Um, uh, God, just... Come on. That's right. I'm preparing now for that day. Do you understand? We as morning and believers need to know how to stand today. Psalms 18, 18 verses 2 and 3. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my Savior, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and my strength and my salvation, my stronghold. Verse 3, the Lord should be praised. I called on Him and I was saved from my enemies. Verse 6 tells us this, I called on the Lord in my distress. I cried to my God for help. He heard my voice from His temple. And my cry for help reached His ears. Have you ever cried out to God when your whole world has crumbled down? If you've never experienced that, you don't know the intimacy. When everything that you put your hope and trust in just fell apart. 
and you cry out to God, not as a religious prayer, but a true try out to God. Verses 17 and 18 of the same passage says, He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me because they were too strong for me. Verse 18, On the day when I faced disaster, they confronted me, but the Lord came to my defense. This is the relationship that we need to know that we have in our Lord and Savior. Psalms 27 verses 1 through 5 tells us this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Who is there to fear? The Lord is my life's fortress. Who is there to be afraid of? Evildoers closed in on me to tear me to pieces. And my opponents and my enemies stumbled and fell. Even though an army steps up camp against me, my heart will not be afraid. Even though a war breaks out against me, I will still have my confidence in the Lord. I have asked one thing of the Lord, and this I will seek, to remain in the Lord's house all the days of my life, in order to gaze at the Lord's beauty and to search for an answer in His temple. He hides me in His shelter when there is trouble, and He keeps me hidden in His tent, and He sets me on a high rock. What a powerful passage. If I visited the 9-11 memorial, there's passages that I'm going to read because the Word of God is so powerful. And it reminds us of who our strength and our hope has to be. And to stand, we have to know the Word of God. And we have to declare by faith and spiritual confidence that we are going to win this battle. Victory is mine. 2 Chronicles 20 verse 15 says, Thus saith the Lord to you, Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours but God's. Some of you are going through a battle today. It could be a battle of loneliness. It could be a battle of confusion. It could be a battle of despair. It could be a battle of a physical addiction. This battle needs to be turned over to God. Because in your own strength, you may not conquer it. Faith demands. Listen to this. Faith demands that I turn over all my problems, all my fears, all my anxieties into the hands of the Lord. Faith demands that. You see, when I am not turning it over to faith, I'm handling it myself. Do you understand? See, we try to handle situations ourselves. And some of these situations are bigger than we are. Kristen shared something with me in a devotional that she was reading. It's been running through my mind all week long. And she said, faith is the bridge to your promised land. Faith is the bridge to your promised land. And I saw myself standing at this deep chasm. And in that there were all my problems, all my situations, all the things I would like to fix. I would love to remove terrorism from our nation. I would love to remove the hatred and anger and violence. I would love to remove everything horrible about our society. And it seems like there's this huge pit, and over there is where I need to be. Faith is the bridge that will get me over that situation. Faith is the bridge that will get me to my promised land. And I have to depend upon my faith. It's important that we understand. The Word of God says that when I have done all I can do, and I know my battle is beyond my power, I must submit it into His hands. Point number three is that we must stand in the daily struggles. Most of the time, we're tempted by the same temptations. Have you understood that? Have you realized that it's the same temptations just over and over and over again? It could be ABC or XYZ, but it's the same temptations. 
I would even say Satan's not even creative when he comes to our attacks. He's going to just keep hitting you with the same thing, same thing, same thing. And he doesn't give up easily. And 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, I don't want Satan to outwit us. I love that translation of it. I don't want Satan to outwit me. After all, we are not ignorant about Satan's schemes. You see, my temptations are not your temptations. I have no temptations to drink. I think beer tastes like pee. (laughs) I may offend some of you that just love your pee. It looks like pee. It tastes like pee. I've tasted beer. Just don't like it. Me either. Okay, if you want to drink it, go ahead. But it's just not something that I've never... When they pour a cold glass of it, I just think, that's pee. And when I see the Budweiser horses, that reinforces it. That's where they get it. It's Clydesdale pee. Now enjoy your beer commercial. But many people are so tempted by it, and they're tempted by not just having one, but over and over and over and over until they become totally inebriated because they want to release the pain and hurt. They want to forget, and then... What do they have to do? Never mind. This passage is not about beer drinking. I'm just telling you, it's not a temptation for me. But if it is a temptation for you and you feel that that's something that you need to get out of your life, you need to address it, confess it, get out of it, but realize that it will be a temptation future. Because Satan has seen that it's been a weakness in your life. Ephesians 4.27 says, Don't give the devil any opportunity to work. I mean, that's a very simple passage. If you are a previous smoker... A cigar shop is probably not where you need to be working. If you're a recovering alcoholic, a bar is not probably the environment you need to be in. But we don't sometimes connect the dots thinking, oh, I can do this and overcome this and go to this place. It's not going to happen. That's because we need Christ in our life. We need the Holy Spirit. And we as born-again believers need to stop lowering our standards. Many times something becomes popular. We see it on magazines. We see it in television. Everybody's doing it. I'm really waiting for the effect when shaving half your head is going to become half of the big popularity thing. And everybody's out there shaving their head because they want to be individual. But they're doing it to be like everybody else now. Now see, we we think about this and we think, for those of us who are losing it, you don't do that, okay? All right? Some of you are already there. But for some of us are losing it. But do you see how odd that would be for me to mention it? But yet, think about some of the trends that have come and gone. And we do it because everybody else is doing it. This is from a guy who wears bell bottoms. Okay? Bell bottoms. Now, if you look at them on piece of paper, you'd say, I'm not wearing that. But everybody was wearing bell bottoms. So I went to mom. I got to have some bell bottoms. They didn't ring. They didn't do anything. They were kind of even in the way when you walked. But everybody did it, so I had to have them. Because of a majority of people are doing something, it doesn't mean that we have to follow into their ways. Amen. Paul mentions this in a passage that I read in Ephesians 6 to stand four times. 
The interesting thing about this passage is that you've all probably heard a passage or a message on Ephesians 6 about the full armor of God. And the emphasis on that message has always been about the, breast, the girdle of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, sword of the spirit. There's no back armor. We're not to turn our back on the Satan. It's always a, a, a defensive mode. Have you ever heard a message why it's written four times to just stand? Maybe that's what we're to be doing during these times is just to be able to stand. And it might not just be for you, but it might be for your family. It might be for this community. It might be for this church. It might be for this nation. Maybe we need a nation of people who are willing just to take a stand nowadays and not to be blown all over with the whims of current popularity. To stand. To take a stand. Ephesians 6.11 tells us this. Put on all the armor that God supplies. And in this way, you can take a... That's right, come on, everybody say it. Stand against the devil's strategies. Verse 13. For this reason, take up all the armor of God supplies. Then you'll be able to take a... During these evil days. And once you have overcome all obstacles, you'll be able to... Your ground. So then, take your... Now, have you ever read that passage and realized that word is reappearing over and over and over and over again? And maybe that's what Paul is saying is, there are going to be days that are going to come that are evil, and we need to prepare now to be able to take a stand. We have deliverance because of what Christ did on the cross. We need to stand strong and put the past in the past and declare our victory. You see, one of the things that Satan will always try to do is to be reminding you of your failures. That's right. That's when you have to remind him of his future. Amen. See, when I ask for forgiveness, I am forgiven. That's my past. As I have said many, many times from this pulpit, I am not concerned with your past. I'm concerned with your present. And I'm very concerned about your future. Amen. People come in with jaded past. They come in with things that they'd love to forget and I'm not going to bring it up. Today, we need to declare our victory. We need to tell the devil, I am not the person that I used to be. I am a new creation in Jesus Christ. Amen. If you're not sure that you have that kind of faith to enter into this fight, then you need to build yourself up. Get in touch with God. Study His Word. Pray in the Spirit. And if you're sure that you can't stand in this battle... You might need to be filled with the Holy Spirit or refilled with the Holy Spirit because He is your power source. He is your strength. If you're not sure that you can overcome some of those weaknesses, I'm going to read you a passage that I'd like to encourage you. And I'm going to tell you, I think this is the first time I've ever read this passage and it not be in a wedding environment. But Ecclesiastics 4.12 says this, Though one person may be overpowered by another, Two people can resist one opponent. Amen. And a triple braided rope is not easily broken. Amen. We need each other. We need each other to be held accountable to. Amen. We need each other to be built up. Even today in Phineas' dedication, that family was saying, we need you as a church to be praying for us, to help keep us accountable, to help raise our children. Because what we're realizing is that on our own, we cannot do this. We need a Savior. Everyone who's out there looking for something is really looking for a Savior. They're looking for peace. They're looking for hope. They're looking for contentment. They're looking for happiness. 
And unfortunately, the things of this world are never going to fulfill that need. Only Christ can fulfill that need. And it's when He comes into your life as your Savior. When you surrender your life to Him and say, God, I'm not in control of this life anymore. I need you. And you seek Him in all of His ways. I'd like to lead you in a very, very simple prayer. And this prayer is basically surrendering your life to Christ. But as we pray together, and I'd like for you to repeat it after me as we do each week. If you're having trouble standing in a certain area, if there's a temptation that's too great for you, while we're saying this prayer, would you truly mean this as if you were never received Christ as your Savior? And if you're saying, God, that area, that area of weakness in my life, that area of sin in my life, that anger issue, that lust issue, whatever it is, Lord, I know what I'm doing is wrong. Would you pray that to ask for forgiveness for it and to learn how to stand? With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, would you please pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior and I am saved. Amen. Today is a day that we have to take a stand. There will be tributes. Bill's wearing his uniform because he's already been at a ceremony this morning honoring those who have fallen when an evil attacked our nation. But evil will also attack our lives. And I pray that you learn to stand. Get into the Word of God. Study it. Understand Scriptures. You're going to have to learn to fight spiritually. You're going to learn to fight as an intercessor for other people who aren't as strong. When somebody's on your heart, start praying for them. Start lifting them up. Praying that God will strengthen them, give them peace, hope. That's how we as a church are going to stand strong and make a difference. I'd like to close and speak a blessing over you as we dismiss. So if you all would please stand. And according to God's word, may the Lord bless you and protect you. And may the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. So go in his peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you.